back to read this next with ruth and nicole this week we are doing a i actually don't think we've done this topic before but we are doing retellings so books that are famous for one reason or another that are being retold revamped revised for various cool purposes or just because um and i know is it you ruth that really likes retellings of or maybe it's laura think you're thinking of Laura. Yeah. I mean, I do like a good retelling if it's done right. Um, it's really fun sometimes having, you know, a, a classic novel brought into the contemporary world mm-hmm. and seeing how those characters can still have the same kinds of adventures and interactions, yeah. but in a different setting. So yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it's a, I honestly, a lot of the books, a lot of the books today are YA, but like we always say they're for everybody. But um, yeah, uh, we have a couple adult fiction and a lot of YA fiction. And um, they're all good. All the covers are beautiful. And a lot of LGBTQ rep today, which is kind of cool, because it seems to be a recurring theme with the retellings is adding a little bit of umbrella spice so it's nice spice not in the traditional sense more like (laughs) flavor yeah okay so our first one i will get right into it i actually i made this list when laura was still here and we just never got around to it because she's a big fan of anne of green gables are you a fan is one of the first things laura and i did together socially go to an anne of green gables talk together stop really (laughs) yeah it was at lu we were in this like kind of dingy little classroom that I probably never would have been able to find by myself but because yeah. she'd been to LU she got us where we were going and yeah Aww. it was really great and I love I just have to say I love the cover for this one I'm so excited right it's so pretty so this is Anne of Greenville uh by Mariko Tamaki um Mariko Tamaki also wrote um Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me which is a graphic novel and I think they also wrote I think it's called Milk. I could be wrong, but they tend to do graphic novels, and this is also a graphic novel. Well, Milk was a huge graphic novel a few years mm-hmm. ago. I think Massive. you might be right that she's or they're the author. Yeah, there's two. There's uh, they're actually sisters, so I believe two of them worked mm. on that one together. But yeah, anyways, uh, in this. So actually, I am going to read the bolded part. Uh, This is the story of how I became Anne of Greenville. It's also the story of how I found my true, true. What? (laughs) Maybe true self? I Probably. I direct copy. This is how I found my true, true. And how I needed to maybe come to Greenville of all places to make that happening happen oh man in this modern reimagining of anne of green gables anne is an ava loving singer actor writer of disco operas queer japanese american who longs to be understood for her artistic genius recently relocated to the middle of nowhere greenville and starting at a new school anne has a tendency to a fall in love quickly deeply and effervescently and b fly off the handle in the base of jerks Both personality quirks quickly come into play when the soccer team boos the premiere of her disco performance, which, in a roundabout way, introduces her to her new BFF, Barry, and she soon meets the girl of her dreams, Jilly. 
falling quickly into that age-old trap of ignoring the best friend for the new crush and soon becomes embroiled in a series of dramatic and unfortunate events and quickly finds herself wrapped up in a love triangle she never expected. Is she MTB? What does that mean? With Jillian? I don't know. Meant I feel to like be. I need to look. Oh. Meant to be. Or is Barry her true, true soulmate? Only time or 304 pages will tell. Mm. <laughs> I what? Love no it. sequel? No sequel. Done. I love that, though. That they, that seems like really um, silly and fun to be like, oh, 304 pages. Yes. <laughs> so it's cool to see that reimagined and also big fan of ABBA myself. So I can get behind a disco ABBA performance. I love it. <laughs> you know what, though? I've never read Anna Green Gables. So maybe this will get me into it. I know. To be honest. Okay. And this is where Laura will probably smack me. I have read all of them, and Anne of Green Gables, the first, is not my favorite book in the series. Oh, which one's your fave? It's hard to say. I love Anne of the Island. Like, okay. I actually love as Anne grows up a bit and, like, becomes a teacher and kind of explores her world a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. So, like, I think it's one of those you dig in, but I am a big Ella Montgomery fan. So, mm. like, I liked a lot of her other books. I really liked the um, Emily series and... Okay. I don't think I've read anything by her. All right. Well, we're just going to have to put a stack next to your bed because there's a lot of reading to do, honey. (laughs) I got to catch up. (laughs) You do. All right. Your turn. Okay. So our next book is called Hester by Lori Lico Albanese. And unlike some of the others, it is not immediately apparent from the title or the cover that this is a retelling it's a really lush embroidered roses on the cover Mm -hmm. Um, so it's not immediately kind of telling me where I'm going no spoilers Um, (laughs) Isabel Gamble is a young seamstress carrying generations of secrets when she set sail from Scotland in the early 1800s with her husband Edward an apothecary who has fallen under the spell of opium his pile of debts have forced them to flee Edinburgh for a fresh start in the new world But only days after they've arrived in Salem, Edward abruptly joins a departing ship as a medic, leaving Isabel penniless and alone in a strange country, forced to make her way by any means possible. What a jerk. I know. That's terrible. I know. I understand he's an addict and that's really rough. Maybe going as a medic is going to keep him onto an opium supply. But all right. My initial reaction is I'm not loving Edward. Sucks for Hester. It really does. And I mean, unfortunately. Oh, no. Isabel. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. The book is called Hester, but Isabel oops <laughs> you know what understandable though right we mm-hmm. expect that when there's a female um name as the title that that would also be the lead character but no so isabel then meets a young nathaniel hawthorne and the two are instantly drawn to each other he is a man haunted by his ancestors who sent innocent women to the gallows while she is an unusually gifted needleworker troubled by her own strange talents okay mm. As the weeks pass and Edward's safe return grows increasingly unlikely, Nathaniel and Isabel grow, grow closer and closer. Together they are a muse and a dark storyteller, the enchanter and the enchanted, but which is which? And now his name has got me sort of starting to think about what this might be, what book might be referenced here. Are you not sure yet? Oh, I'm I'm pretty oh, sure. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but certainly like his name was a real talbiner. Yeah. yeah. In this sensuous and hypnotizing tale, a young immigrant woman grapples with our country's complicated past. And that's America, not Canada. Mm-hmm. We have our own complicated past, but that's not the one here. And learns that America's ideas of freedom and liberty often fall short of their promise. 
Interwoven with Isabel and Nathaniel's story is a vivid interrogation of who gets to be a, quotes, real American in the first half of the 19th century. A depiction of the early days of the Underground Railroad in New England and atmosphere, atmospheric interstitials. I don't capture, know that word. It's not a word I use very often. That capture the long history of, quotes, unusual women being accused of witchcraft meticulously researched yet evocatively imagined hester is a timeless tale of art ambition and desire that examines the roots of female creative power and the men who try to shut it down so if we haven't guessed on what this is a retelling (laughs) yet here's the final clue a vivid reimagining of the woman who inspired hester prynne the tragic heroine of nathaniel hawthorne's the scarlet letter and a journey into the enduring legacy of new england's witchcraft trials cool uh and the the cover i'll show it again so that you see it you can see that there's a scarlet letter on it yeah super cool this is a um adult book like adult fiction um and i think uh, the sensuous probably partly gave it away a little bit yeah and it's a little more serious so it's uh it looks it it, it sounds cool but it's also interesting that it's both a reimagining and retelling but it's also kind of a historical it's like a biopic (laughs) and brings the original author in as a character yeah the drama i love it um okay our next one is called stone blind by natalie haynes um if you can't tell by the cover it's medusa love it okay they will fear you and flee you and call you a monster the only mortal in a family of gods, Medusa is the youngest of the Gorgon sisters. Unlike her siblings, Medusa grows older, experiences change, and feels weakness. Feels weakness. Her mortal lifespan gives her an urgency that her family will never know. When the sea god Poseidon assaults Medusa in Athens, oh, I've never seen it without the A, uh, temple, the goddess is enraged, furious by the violation of her sacred space. Athene takes revenge on the young woman punished for unfair i know that's like so much unfair stuff Mm -hmm. happens with the feet the women of greek and roman mythology it's nasty um punished for poseidon's actions medusa is forever transformed writhing snakes replace her hair and her gaze will turn any living creature to stone cursed with the power to destroy all the one all Destroy all she loves with one look, Medusa condemns herself to a life of solitude until Perseus embarks on a fateful quest to fetch the head of a gorgon. In Stone Blind, classicist and comedian Natalie Haynes turns our understanding of this legendary myth on its head, bringing empathy and nuance to one of the earliest stories in which a woman injured by a powerful man is blamed, punished, and monstered for the assault. Delving into the origins of this mythic tale, Haynes revitalizes and reconstructs Medusa's story with her passion and fierce wit. So very cool and um, kind of, I know it's not the same, but if it's, it is in the same vein of like the Circe and Achilles, Song of Achilles books that are really popular by Madeline Miller, which are also retellings that we didn't mention here because they're wildly popular, but yeah. They don't need us. They don't need our <laughs> promo. They're famous enough. I think what's interesting too, though, with this one is that while the others, um, well, I mean, the last one is more sort of 
close to the time of the original, but a lot of retellings bring into the contemporary period. Mm-hmm. Um, this one really sticks with, nope, this is happening during the time of legend. Yeah. Yeah. And just tells it from a different point of view. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Next up, we have Other Ever Afters, New Queer Fairy Tales by mm-hmm. Melanie Gilman. It has a very sweet cover. Like it really gives, like pulls into that sort of fairy tale uh, feeling. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a lot more gentle than some of the covers we see. Yeah. Very soft, which is nice. So once upon a time, happily ever after turned out quite differently than expected. In this new feminist queer fairy tale collection, you'll find the princesses, mermaids, knights, barmaids, children, and wise old women who have been forced to sit on the sidelines in classic stories taking center stage so they're finally getting the limelight a gorgeous all-new collection in graphic novel format from a stonewall honor winning author and artist that was a bit of a tongue twister (laughs) what if the giant who abducted you was actually thoughtful and kind this feels like stockholm syndrome there um (laughs) what if you didn't want to marry your handsome popular but cold inside suitor okay i'm down with that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what if your one true love has all the responsibilities that come with running a kingdom Award-winning author Melanie Gilman's phenomenal colored pencil art creates another ever after for the characters who are most worthy of it. Yeah, I borrowed this book and then I didn't get a chance to read it before it was due. But oh, somebody else uh, needed it. Yeah, they needed it. Uh, Melanie Gilman, I don't know if you've ever read, um, oh, what was the title? Uh, Stage Dreams, which is about a young... Uh, two LGBTQ people in the wild, wild west who meet Ooh. each other, fall in love and run away together. Very cute. Um, her art style is very, like you said, gentle and pencil crayon-esque, which is really cool. So uh, if you liked Phoebe Gilman, I said Phoebe Gilman, like that's the same person. Uh, Melanie, Melanie Gilman. If you liked Stage Dreams, I would check this one out. It's It looks very cute. I just love the flowers. Like, yeah. Yeah, there's still like, you know, the skull breathing death it looks like on us. So it's kind of an interesting combination of very sweet and gentle with some some true fairy trail fairy tale viciousness. Mm-hmm. Classic. Um this next one is one that we have hopefully on order. Uh this is Self Made Boys, a Great Gatsby remix. This is a YA. This is by Anna Marie McClemmer. Uh, love the cover gorgeous um the wisteria in the background is beautiful yeah okay new york city (laughs) new york city 1922 nicholas caraveo a 17 year old transgender boy from minnesota has no interest in the city's glamour going to new york is all about establishing himself as a young professional which could set up his future and his life as a man and benefit his family Nick rents a small house in West Egg from his 18-year-old cousin, Daisy Fabrega, who lives in a fashionable East End. Oh, my goodness. I'm having a rough time. Daisy Fabrega, who lives in fashionable East Egg near her wealthy fiancé, Tom. And Nick is shocked to find that his cousin now goes by Daisy Faye and has erased all signs of her Latina heritage and now passes seamlessly as white. Nick's neighbor in West Egg, a mysterious young man named Jay Gatsby, 
whose castle-like mansion is a stage for parties so extravagant that they both dazzle and terrify Nick. At one of those parties, Nick learns that the spectacle is all for the benefit of impressing a girl from Jay's past, Daisy. And he learns something else. Jay is also transgender. As Nick is pulled deeper into the glittery uh, culture of decadence, he spends more time with Jay, aiming to help his new friend reconnect with his lost love. But Nick's feelings grow more complicated when he finds himself falling hard for Jay's openness, idealism, and unfounded faith in the American dream. Cool. Hmm. I don't know how many Great Gatsby retellings you've read before. I haven't read nary a one. Nor have I. I've only read the original. Yeah, I feel like this one doesn't get a lot of attention. Yeah, I mean, we definitely give it attention at school and read it and things like that. But I don't feel like many people have tried to retell it. So I, I feel like this is really cool. I think it's been more popular for film. Yeah, especially with all the glitz and the glam. Yeah, everybody <sighs> loves a little glitz and glam. I do. This one could have been in our 1920s one, too. It could have. Dang. So many options. Yeah, go check out that episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next up we have The Secret Garden of Yanagi Inn by Amber Logan. Nice little tagline here. Crack doesn't always mean broken. Mm. Grieving her mother's death, death, Marie Lennox travels to Kyoto, Japan to take photographs of Yanagi Inn for a client. As she explores the inn and its grounds, her camera captures striking images, uncovering layers of mystery shrouding the old resort, including an overgrown secret garden on a forbidden island. I am in. (laughs) That sounds fascinating. I know. Like, I want to go on holiday there now. Forget, like, the book. (laughs) Okay. But then, eerie weeping, no one else in the inn hears. uh, Sorry, no one else in the inn seems to hear starts keeping her awake at night. I'll skip that part of the vacation. (laughs) Yeah, hard pass. Despite the warnings of the staff, Marie searches the deep recesses of the old building to discover the source of the ghostly sound, only to realize that her own family's history is tied to the inn, its mysterious forlorn garden, and the secrets it holds. And this is another, like, gorgeous cover, mm-hmm. you know, with the cranes flying and, yeah. like, the really, um, I think. It's the outline the, of a face. Yeah. Facing up. But within it, you know, those, the cranes and the, um, the trees that seem so like carefully, I was going to say groomed, uh, probably pruned is more accurate, but it's just, it's really evocative. Yeah. Um, And of course, you know, hearing like this description of the weeping that's keeping her awake at night as it looks like this person is sleeping and it's very much like a nighttime scene is quite intriguing. Do you, so this is obviously Secret Garden, which for those mm-hmm. of you who haven't read it, uh, check it out. It's a classic. It's very sweet and sad. And I read it when I was really young. <laughs> and then I reread it when I was older and I was like, interesting. Yeah. I, I don't, um, don't remember it very well. <laughs> I remember it and I remember that what actually struck me most is when I was a child, I had my grandmother gave me a book that had, what was it? A Little Princess, The Secret Garden, <gasps> and Little Lord Fauntroy. Oh, okay. Little Lord Fauntroy was my favorite of the three because <laughs> um, it was just such an interesting story. But what I remember most when I think of The Secret Garden is that there was, a, I guess, a movie when I was little. Was it The Secret Garden or was it? No, it might Little have Princess had a really good movie. Yeah, you know what? I think I'm thinking of Little Princess and the like 
cholera deaths of like that was really intense for small children to watch i I Um, don't know if that was little princess it was one of the two because i mean it might be secret garden because both i mean both are stories of children who are sent to you know live with a family member or in one case in a boarding school because Mm -hmm. of things that are going on with their families yeah i actually think it was secret garden that had the cholera deaths and it was yeah because it's like traumatizing yeah, in Little Princess uh, has that scene where she's crawling between the two buildings. Yes. And then she's yelling, Papa, Papa. And, oh my God, every time I'm just like, <laughs> But I haven't read the book, so I was like, that'll be too much. <laughs> you should read the book. And you should read no. Little Lord Fallen Tree, too. I will read that one. The Little okay. Princess, though, will destroy me. <laughs> Fair enough. Read Little Lord Fallen Tree. You've got to get up on your Frances Hodgson Burnett. Like, <sighs> dang. Dang. But yeah, the uh, again another one that I haven't seen too many remakes of. So no, yeah. And I, I mean, tried sometimes to find... it's just because, honestly, in, to a certain degree, other than if you think about like the whole cholera death thing, which is not so common now, but does still happen. Um, the the whole premise of the Secret Garden is it doesn't really need to be retold because. I like I think this will be really interesting. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. And they've we've got an older character here. Like there are a lot of things that have changed up to make it kind of work as a retelling. Yeah. But in many ways the original is quite timeless. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Because, you know, she's just staying with family, finds this garden, hears the sound in the night. Whereas for others, where there's sort of a more layered and complicated story. Yeah. There's more to dig into and change. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I mean for this, this is a little bit unusual in that we've sometimes we have retellings where they take adults and make them teenagers mm-hmm. like the the 12th, 12th grade great night yeah um but it's not so common to take a child character and make them an adult yeah so i think yeah. this is really intriguing yeah i would love to i think i say this every time and then i never do it but i think i'd like to read this one just so mm-hmm. i can see how it plays out with them being well and i want to know who this eerie weeping is too right yeah like how well how much does it intersect and remind how much how much does it pull from the original text right which is kind of cool because the other ones that we talked about on this list seem to pull pretty heavily um from it but this one kind of leaves it a bit uh the description anyways leaves it a bit up to the reader to figure out how much it's gonna right connect yeah because really so far we've got the garden and the crying in the night. And that's all we got. <laughs> but, but given it's an adult, it would be a bit weird to find, like, their cousin. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A cousin I never knew I had? Huh? <laughs> yeah, it in sounds this, really you good, know, though. resort that I didn't know or hotel that I didn't know was my family's. Yeah. Or, like, my family was just attached to in some way. Up there. Yeah. 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 So it's a little, a little I, I, I'm very intrigued. Yeah. Well, if anybody uh, has other retellings that we should check out or talk about, let us know in the comments. I think I'll wrap us up. Thoughts? I think it's a good time to wrap up. Yeah. All right. I will do that then. Oh, I can see my screen is glitching out. It's perfect timing. Uh, Okay. So thanks again, everybody, for watching. We will see you again in two weeks. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. Uh, You can catch our show notes, www.tvplofftheshelf.com. I'm sorry that they are late and I've been missing posting them because I forgot that was something I had to do now. (laughs) Whoops. Yeah, that's my bad. So if uh, they're missing, 
blame me. And uh, yeah, I will hopefully have them up soon. So anyways, see you all in two weeks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>